Thanks for joining me for another episode of Plugged In, post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. One of the driving forces behind the electrification of the passenger car is carbon reduction, and it would be pointless to pursue that goal with a sole focus on the cars you and I drive. Big rigs, heavy-duty trucks, passenger buses and shuttles all need to clean up their acts too if we are to meet the climate goals governments around the world are establishing. My guest this week is the co-author of a just-released report called Race to Zero, which looks not at the demand for zero-emission trucks and buses, but the supply. In other words, what heavy-duty vehicle manufacturers are doing in the battery electric and fuel cell space. Ben Sharp is a senior researcher with the International Council on Clean Transportation, a California-based think tank that joined forces with Propulsion Quebec and the Environmental Defense Fund to create the report. Ben holds a Master's of Science degree in Civil Engineering from Stanford University and a PhD in Civil Engineering from UC Davis. Thanks very much for joining us today, Ben. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Andrew. So before we get into all this heavy-duty truck talk, and buses, I should add, I'd like to know what the first EV you ever drove was and your impressions at the time. Yeah, so my first experience actually driving an electric car was at an all-staff retreat. So we, as an organization, convene every couple of years, uh, come together from all over the world, and... At this last retreat, um, our executive director drove his Tesla and was nice enough to to give several of us test rides uh, with his Tesla. So I was thrilled to be able to have my first electric vehicle experience be with the Tesla. So (laughs) perhaps I'm I'm spoiled forever because of that uh, first experience, but uh, it was pretty thrilling uh, to say the least. And your impression at the time? I mean, obviously it's a Tesla, so it is the gold standard as it were, but I mean, just from a, from a driving perspective, just from a sense of movement perspective. Oh, it was, it was like no other sensation in terms of the acceleration, how smooth and quiet it was really not comparable to any other driving experience I'd had to date. And perhaps since then, it's just an extremely fun um, yeah, I, I felt like a kid getting, you know, behind the wheel at, at, say, you know, those bumper car rides at the fair for the first time and just, just felt really exhilarating. Luckily, our, our executive director, Drew, was, was very kind and didn't freak out when we really kind of punched the, <laughs> punched the accelerator and, and <laughs> really let it out a little bit. So Right. So this podcast, we've been going three seasons. Always what we talk about is passenger electric vehicles, cars, people you know, buying these vehicles for their own personal use. Obviously a massive space that is just being scratched right now is this whole concept of buses, heavy duty trucks, the utilitarian things in our world becoming electrified and more importantly, zero emission. So this is what the road to zero study kind of examines, or it it seems like it's a kind of a beginning point to see where we are in time right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the exact motivation, Andrew. And For me personally, kind of going back to last year, early this year, I'm subscribed to several of these kind of trucking information and and news websites. And I was just struck by how often I was getting these updates about whether it's battery electric models or demonstration projects or, you know, hydrogen fuel cell developments. It was almost like every other day I was getting some update about a new product or new announcement, uh, some significant investment being made in the space. 
And certainly just kind of took that to management and said, hey, look, we'd love to do this type of project to just really just figure out what's going on as best we can, you know, really get a sense of where the market is currently in terms of manufacturer market shares, and then take the next step to figure out what the zero emission space really looks like. Who's bringing the products to market? Uh, What are some of the partnerships that are emerging? Where are different companies investing in terms of technology options? So it's it's just really uh, a dynamic space, to say the least, uh, even though it's a, it's a very, very young market, to be sure. But despite that, we, we felt that there was a pretty compelling story to tell that this isn't just a passenger vehicle story in terms of electrification. Several governments around the world, companies even, have, have really set their sights on you know, decarbonizing the entire economy by mid-century. And you know, focusing on transportation and, and on road, uh, there's there's real no way to do that without having a significant zero emission footprint uh, on trucks and buses. So that was the motivation, you know, for the ICCT. We were really thrilled to have some interest from uh, a couple of partners. Um, so the Environmental Defense Fund, uh, another NGO here in the U.S., and somewhat of a new partner for us, uh, Propulsion Quebec kind of an incubator, quasi-governmental organization operating out of Montreal. And so the chance to work together was really attractive to me, uh, to be able to just broaden the the reach uh, of our combined organizations. And I think each one of our organizations kind of brought something unique to the table. From my perspective, it it was a really fun project. I certainly learned a great deal. And, you know, it's our hope that we can continue to, you know, update this analysis at a somewhat frequent basis, just to make sure that we continue to stay on top of, you know, this really rapidly developing and and quickly changing market. Right. I think what struck me interesting, even the approach of the study of the report is so often in the, in the passenger world, we're talking about demand. What's the demand for these cars? You approached it as what is the supply of these vehicles? who's making what and how many are there. And in Canada, one of the big issues for passenger vehicle EVs is scarcity. People want, you know, a VW e-Golf, but they can't get one for a year. So that's held back EV adoption in Canada. And I, and I dare say lots of places in the States too, possibly. But it seems in this report that you found there's actually, as you said, so many manufacturers of trucks, heavy trucks, buses, doing R&D and bringing real world product to market today that it seems like the demand has to catch up with the supply now. You know, you're absolutely right, Andrew. And and that's the exact reason why we took the perspective that we did and looking at supply, just because of the nature of the heavy duty truck and bus market. You know, as, as you well know, these are vehicles that are being used in commercial enterprises and so these businesses and, and owner operators are, you know, intensely focused around, you know, the, the cost of operating. And so our general sense is that once we see these zero emission products start to take foothold and companies have confidence that they can perform the mission, that there aren't going to be significant impacts to operations and that generally they have a support infrastructure in place. We really feel that you know th- this is going to be a technology and a movement that that kind of pushes itself 
you know, certainly there has to be massive investment uh, on the front end to, to kind of get this market off the ground. But I think once you start to see companies use these technologies and use them successfully, our sense is that this market is very much a copycat industry in terms of, you know, once companies see others like them using the technologies, having success, ultimately getting a lower uh, total cost of ownership, we think that this is going to be a, a wave that can happen fairly rapidly. And, you know, just to underscore the point that given how much time that we've already had on the light duty electrification kind of journey, we have several governments that are that are already talking about getting to zero emission for trucks and buses and doing so fairly quickly. For example, California uh, just earlier this year laid out its advanced clean truck regulation, more or less kind of setting a path for the next 20 years. Given how ambitious that you know, these policymakers and, and several uh, large companies have set their sights on. We really wanted to just try and tell the story about, well, what's what's available today and what can we expect over the next couple of years? And, you know, I think that that's really the take home message that we're trying to convey is that, you know, there are several products, dozens and dozens of products across various uh, segments in the market. You know, certainly these are our early generation products, but we're, we're really excited to actually start to see these trucks start, you know, begin to hit the road because there's no teacher like experience. Groups like ours can say all that we want, that these are viable technologies, but this is a prove it industry, really thin margins in several cases, you know, particularly in the trucking space. And so that's what we're really keen to follow over the next few years. We want to see as much as possible these technologies yield positive experiences for these early adopters. That's one of the things that I really think could hurt the market in this early stage is if you know you start to have products and experiences that are negative, you know there's really no power like a first impression. It's my hope that you're going to see these early generation products really supported from multiple perspectives. So from the manufacturer perspective, uh, in terms of infrastructure and fueling support, technical maintenance, that's extremely important uh, for these early products. So I think that there has to be real intentionality uh, on behalf of, you know, whether it's governments, whether it's fleets, whether it's manufacturers, there just really has to be a lot of care taken, uh, particularly in the early going, to see that these are, are kind of positive rollouts uh, in the early going. Right. Just to give listeners an idea of, of kind of where we are in terms of numbers, since 2010, according to the report, over three quarters of a million of the zero emission HDVs, high duty vehicles as they're called, um, have been sold, but most of those in China. In the United States and Canada, last year, 2019, there were 600 units sold. I think many of us have seen these already in different municipalities across Canada, which in, in the form of transit buses. Um, everybody seems to be dipping their toe into the the EV transit bus pilot project. So that's a great thing. What I have never seen on the road is uh, actual heavy duty truck EV. And I will be very excited when I see one of those. So what what is that going to take? As you say, I guess it's going to take maybe some of these big companies. Of course, Amazon has famously put money down to order a bunch of these trucks to get them going. I think Walmart in Canada has has done something similar with a, with a small fleet just to get them going. 
So is that the next step is these big players are going to buy these vehicles, put them in fleets, and then small operators will see how that goes? You know, you're absolutely right, Andrew. We're, we're expecting these largest companies to use these first uh, early generation products as kind of rolling laboratories, really just kicking the tires, both on the technology, but also just getting used to the infrastructure and just really kind of a different way of moving freight, of moving passengers. Diesel has many, many years of being the dominant technology. And it's certainly the case that these these largest companies uh, can afford to kind of take the risk and be the ones to kind of roll out these technologies first. It's my hope that after these the first few years of, of the larger companies uh, going in with the technologies, it gives kind of the second tier uh, of companies that are kind of in wait and see mode that are really curious about the technology, but are not quite ready to, to go all in and try it for themselves. So that's my hope is that uh, enough of these first generation products yield positive experiences uh, for fleets and technicians and drivers. And I think that word of mouth will, will really be the, the biggest tool in terms of pushing this forward in the industry. Yeah, I, obviously cost saving is something. If you're not fueling these vehicles full of diesel and you're just charging them overnight, just like with electric with with passenger vehicles, um, there's obviously a savings there. I've also, you know, talking to tr- truck drivers, particularly guys and women who drive these vehicles in Vancouver, which is a port city. You know, all they're doing is essentially picking up a cargo container at the port and driving it to a warehouse, and they'll maybe do that four times in a day. What they really are intrigued about with electric power is there's no grinding through 15 or 20 gears from a standstill. It's essentially just a linear acceleration. So it seems like from a from an operator standpoint, there's going to be a lot of benefits to this kind of technology. Yeah, we're certainly really excited to start hearing these early stories from drivers. You know, some of the the first kind of demonstration projects that we've seen, you know, in California and and, and some of the other states and provinces. Some of the most enthusiastic votes of confidence are coming from the drivers themselves. I think uh, kind of to echo back to, to my experience driving the Tesla, the acceleration from a standstill, having that maximum torque, it's a really unique feeling. You know, you don't get that with the, the internal combustion. And, you know, I, I think that the ability to, you know, accelerate quickly, but not only that, being fully loaded. So, so seeing a truck going uphill, you know, at, at say, you know, 30 or 40 kilometers per hour, the, the potential to be in an electric truck and, and zooming by uh, the competition who's using diesel, I think that's one of the, the most exciting promises of the technology is to be able to not only be a replacement for diesel, but to outperform diesel in terms of right. performance and, and particularly on acceleration. And nice and quiet. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Obviously, in the electric vehicle space, we, we have a couple of technologies. We have battery electrics, which are the ones that you plug in. Everybody seems to be familiar with those. And then, of course, we have fuel cell electrics, hydrogen-powered vehicles. And in the world of trucks, both of these have a spot or a place, it seems. And um, in your study, what what did you kind of discover about the possible adaptations of these two different technologies? Yeah, so this has been something I've been keenly focused on myself. I personally have been really bullish on hydrogen for trucking for several years, kind of going back to, to my graduate work at, at UC Davis. 
But I, I think that the biggest revelation for me on the hydrogen side was seeing just how many companies are making significant investments in the technology. And it's all types of different companies. So you have your legacy manufacturers such as Toyota, Volvo, Freightliner, Cummins, making significant investments in terms of bolstering their, their fuel cell technology chops. But you also have some really high energy startups. So Nikola's is the example that comes to mind. I think for me, what that says is that, you know, unlike the light duty passenger space, which is really just kind of more or less dominated by, by batteries, I think it's very much an open question. And it's my belief that, that hydrogen has a, has a really interesting role, an important role to play, particularly in the, in the heavy trucking space. Hydrogen, I think, offers some, some potential important advantages over batteries, I think refueling time is, is one of the big ones that jumps out in terms of the trucking space. And particularly when you talk about over the road trucking, where you may not have the opportunity to just sit and charge for you know, multiple hours at a time, uh, particularly if you don't have these you know, significant you know, megawatt level chargers available. Getting the diesel roughly equivalent types of, of refueling experience uh, is an attractive element. Thinking about uh, some of the more northern or, or cold weather climates, you know, batteries tend to have some limitations or, or uh, degradation in terms of performance due to the, to the cold weather. And you know, on hydrogen, we're, we're not expecting as significant uh, of impacts in terms of cold weather. Weight is another important consideration, particularly for the trucking fleets that are that are carrying really heavy loads and that bump up against those maximum weight limits. Batteries, at least the analysis that we've done for those really heavy trucks, and certainly for the severe service where you're pulling super heavy loads or logging or you know material extraction, these super heavy weight trucks, it's just not feasible. There are physical limitations in terms of battery energy density and, and power density. So given where the state of battery technology is now and what we see over the next five or 10 years, we think that just realistically, if you want to have a zero emission solution for those heaviest trucks that travel long distances, I think that that's the areas where hydrogen really makes a lot of sense. Right. Often in the in the passenger electric vehicle space, people are, it seems to be an either or. It seems to be like a beta VHS argument about battery electrics against fuel cells. And I'm not sure if that's true, but in the heavy truck space, it seems like those two each serve a different purpose. Just like you say, a long haul trucker who's bringing fruit up from California to Canada can't stop and charge. So a, a whole network on the big routes of hydrogen stations makes a lot of sense. And then likewise for intermodal, for city buses, for city cargo trucks, electricity works because you're going to use it for one charge, plug it in at night and use it the next day. Yeah, absolutely. You can see why the big guys, the Freightliners, the Volvos are looking at hydrogen as well as batteries. It's not an either or with this. It's, it's both seem to have a very important part to play in zero emission trucking. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And to come back to the, to the Nikola example, they are a really fascinating company to me because they've, they've done exactly that in terms of investing not only on the fuel cell technology, but equally, they're bringing battery-only uh, products to market as well. So I think they see that dynamic too. You're going to have 
customers that are hauling potato chips and, you know, doing city deliveries. And, you know, perhaps for those types of drive cycles, you know, batteries uh, is the play. Whereas you could have fleets that are hauling, maybe it's a beer or a beverage truck that's, you know, super heavy up against the maximum weight going long distances. And, you know, hydrogen would certainly at this point in time, make more sense in that application. Right. And I keep getting back to passenger cars because it's a space that has kind of grown a bit and we've kind of seen it roll out with different manufacturers. Um, one of the big selling points for a lot of them are these government rebates. And I'm just wondering if in the heavy truck space, if you see that as a requirement to at least in the early days spur sales. Perhaps it's obvious to say, but no one's going to turn down uh, or be mad about uh, getting some extra money to, to be able to offset some of the risk of, of adopting these, these technologies, and particularly early on. And really, it's going to take everything that government has at its disposal in terms of spurring the market. So I think incentives have a really critical role to play. But more so than on the vehicle side, I personally feel that one of the most important roles that government can play is on the infrastructure side. It's really going to take a massive investment, both on you know, electricity, but as well as hydrogen. And it's certainly the case that these largest vehicles have their own unique refueling demands. And so given what we've already been seeing on the passenger vehicle side, I think that it has to take some targeted investments specifically for commercial vehicles. And I think that uh, government has a real important role to play in terms of not just leaving it completely up to private enterprise to figure this out, because we're already starting to see the supply come to, to bear on the vehicle side. And I would love to see equal, if not more fervent, activity on the infrastructure side to support these trucks and buses that are going to be coming online here in the next few years. Right, right. It's the classic chicken and egg that is going with passenger cars. The infrastructure, do you build it first and then they come or do you build the cars and then people say, hey, we need the infrastructure. So I guess trucking is not unlike that situation. Certainly you're having some early fleets that are that are just kind of taking it upon themselves to have their own charging, particularly on the battery electric charging. But I think when you're thinking about over-the-road trucking, you know, so truck stops and just having a really robust network of refueling options along these major trucking corridors, I personally think that, that government could really play a, an important role in kind of mitigating some of the risk that these, these fuel suppliers will have and, and these kind of truck stops will have. I think it would be really challenging for some of these enterprises and particularly the small businesses to, you know, make these really significant investments, given that there may not be the business case and particularly early on. That's a role where I see the big need for incentives, right. particularly over the next, you know, five to seven years. The old, if you build it, they will come thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, going to get you out of here with one last question. What was the biggest surprise for you after you did this study? Like, what was the thing maybe when you put the thing to bed and you kept thinking about it? You kept thinking that that was, uh, I didn't expect that. Yeah. One of the most surprising things for me was seeing just the level of collaboration across the industry and not only relationships that you might expect. So, you know, OEMs partnering with, you know, powertrain or axle suppliers, you know, those types of partnerships are, are fairly common. 
But particularly around bringing zero emission products to market, I was really struck by how often you're seeing direct competitors teaming up and, and bringing uh, products to market together. So whether it's you know Volvo and Cummins teaming up around you know hydrogen fuel cell development, Cummins is offering uh, its powertrain with several both legacy as well as startups. But there's all sorts of really interesting teams that are emerging. And I think it's fairly unique. I, I don't know that we have that same dynamic on the light duty passenger side. This kind of spirit of teamwork and bringing these products to market is something that I didn't expect. And it's kind of a pleasant surprise to see these uh, companies that are in direct competition agreeing that for the greater good of, of both companies and for the world, that it makes more sense to team up and get these products to market as quickly as possible. Yeah, it seems like that kind of accelerates innovation, which I think in the zero emission space, as we're often told with the climate change, we need to do sooner rather than later. Totally agree. <laughs> Excellent, Ben. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Very informative talk with you. And, and also the study, I think, is something that will probably go down for a lot of people in a lot of trucking companies as, as something they kind of refer to and realize that this thing is, to use a trucking term, maybe it's in second gear now and they've still got a ways to go. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I'd love to talk with you in a little while, maybe in a year's time, just to see where things are with this. Yeah, Andrew, it was a real pleasure. And, and I appreciate the opportunity. You know, as you said, it's early going. If we are in second gear, I'd, I'd call that a win. <laughs> and uh, no, I'd, I'd love to come back on at some point and talk about where things stand. Excellent. Thanks again. As much as I'm excited about the ever-evolving electric passenger vehicle segment that we talk about on Plugged In each week, the idea of fully electric big rigs quietly zooming along the Trans-Canada Highway or emission-free garbage trucks doing their rounds on city streets is, to me, quite fantastical. And after reading the Race to Zero and talking with Ben, while we're not quite there yet, isn't that always the case with EVs? With manufacturers investing millions, probably billions, in the technologies required to make that happen, the heavy-duty truck and bus part of the EV revolution is just beginning to be written. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest Ben Sharp, producer extraordinaire Darm Makwana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedinpostmedia.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, reviews, and videos, be sure to check out driving.ca. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons one and two.